Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We're going to be reading from verses 44 to 46. Verses 44 to 46. I, I, would, I would say tonight's not going to be very long. I'm going to keep it short, but, um, well, that wouldn't mean much to you, would it? Especially if uh, <laughs> you join us for Bible study regularly. But I will, um, I mean, it's, a, it's three verses. How long could I really, how long could I really be? All right, you're like, okay, let's not test that out. All right, Matthew chapter 13, uh, 44. I think the worst part about this is I can't hear you laugh at my jokes. And um, I know what you're thinking. You're like, we don't laugh at the many. All right, whatever. Okay, no need to get aggressive tonight. All right, Matthew 13, verse 44. Here's what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, you're going to want to underline that sentence, in his joy. We're going to come back to that. It's going to be a main, uh, our, our main theme for tonight. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for these minutes that we can have together. Lord, even though it is through technology, we thank you, God, that you're present uh, here in this room and also in the various rooms, Lord, uh, by which your people are watching. And uh, I just ask for your presence. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher tonight, uh, that you would allow us to lean in and to press in, uh, God, to what you have to say to us I pray that any distractions, Lord, would just move to the background and that you would just give us focus and clarity. Uh, and as always, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, Lord, we pray even for those who might be traveling in the weather conditions that you would just keep them safe and allow them to, uh, Lord, be all right as they, as they travel. Help us to have a good time tonight, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Or all God's people commented, rather, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, well, listen, if you're new to our space, we go through things verse by verse, and uh, it allows us to just, you know, take our time, be slow with it, but it allows us to have a good good time. And so we're gonna be doing that. We're gonna be going through it verse by verse. Just to recap, by the way, we we talked about uh, the parable of, uh, of, um, the, the mustard seed and, the, and, and leaven last time we were together. And so we talked about how the kingdom of God is hidden. It's hidden. It starts as something that, that might seem insignificant, but the reality is for those who have the eyes to see it for what it is, it is, in fact, the most significant thing. The kingdom of God is significant. It is massive. It is the thing that Jesus came to bring, right? And so when Jesus begins his ministry, he says, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus spends most of his time teaching on the kingdom of God. And so Matthew 13, as we've discovered, has all been about parables regarding the kingdom of God. Jesus, over and over and over again, is teaching the crowds and his disciples the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And if Jesus is going to use uh, several different examples and illustrations by way of, of explaining what the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of heaven is, it, it might be important. It, it might be 
of some value. It might be of some significance, and of course, it is. And so tonight, I want to talk to us about a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of joy. And so let's go through this verse by verse. Remember, Jesus is teaching a parable, and so parables are stories. These are stories that Jesus is using um, to reveal things to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And so this parable and these two parables are very interesting. Then remember the parable of the weeds, right? The parable of the weeds was a parable that, that looked forward to the future um, coming of the kingdom of God, the, the total rule and the total reign of the kingdom of God. These two parables are interesting and they're a little bit different because these two parables actually emphasize the present value of the kingdom. It's as if Jesus is saying that the kingdom is not just something you're going to experience in eternity. The kingdom is something to be experienced now. It is eternity now. Even though it's not here in its fulfillment, it does not mean that we cannot we cannot walk in it and that we cannot experience it and that we can't, and, and it doesn't mean that we cannot experience the goodness and the value of it right now. And so these two parables here emphasize that there is present value of the kingdom of God now, today, right? Which goes against, sometimes we grew up, we grow up in a church culture that is that is completely fixated on the coming of Jesus which is a good thing we're we're supposed to look forward to the coming of Jesus but sometimes growing up in a particular culture all you do is is you just can't wait for that day you just can't wait for that day and so you say things like oh i'm so tired of this world or i just can't wait for Jesus to come back or maybe if you're older in age i i don't know if you grew up in a christian household but i remember even being around older, older people in my family, whether it's your great-grandmother or whoever, and it's, you know, they'd be so sick and tired, and they just say, say things like, oh, I can't wait till Jesus calls me home. I can't wait till Jesus calls me home. So fixated on the future aspect of enjoying God that we forget that God is to be enjoyed today. God is to be enjoyed now, even right now, in the midst of whatever we're going through, your, your busy life, your busy schedule, God can be enjoyed now. And so here's, here's the number one thing I wanna tell you tonight, even as you watch from the comfort of your homes, fight against that. Resist the lie that tells you God can only be enjoyed in the future. Fight against that lie, fight against that tendency and, and enjoy God now. Enjoy God now. And so let's go through uh, these parables and see what God wants to say to us. Amen. I hope you're using the comment section and the chat section. I will check, by the way, afterwards, um, everything you put in there. But let's do this verse by verse. Here we are, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is the focus of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like, notice, treasure, treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, then in his joy, remember I told you to underline this, in his joy, we're gonna come back to this, he goes and he sells all that he has, and what does he do? He buys that field. Right, And why does he buy the field? He doesn't buy the field for the sake of the field. He buys the field for the sake of the treasure. He buys the field because he has found treasure. Now, here's, here's the reality. The reality is um, you, as a follower of Jesus, did not always see God, see the kingdom as treasure, as something of great value. You, you came to that as God began to do a work in your heart, as God did what the Bible describes as a new birth, and God gave you a new heart, and so you saw Jesus, you saw God as, as valuable, as, as supreme, and as treasure of your life, or maybe you're watching and you're, you're not exactly there yet. You, you see other Christians and you go, okay, clearly they think something significant is happening, but I don't really, I don't really see it. And and that's all right, and, and, and my prayer for you is that God would reveal to you the treasure that is his 
kingdom, the treasure that he is. And so he finds treasure in a field and notice he sells all that he has. He sells all that he has. And what does this, what does this mean? It means that the kingdom is going to require sacrifice, right? And so it cost him something. Another word for this could be, could be obedience or abandonment. He abandons himself to that end, to, to buying the field so that he can lay hold of the treasure. Now, I, want, I don't want you to miss this because he says in his, in his joy, which, which means that it's not just abandonment for abandonment's sake. It is joyful abandonment. It is joyful abandonment. It is not abandonment that is simply out of duty, that is simply out of, oh, well, this seems like it's the right thing to do. No, no, no. It is, it is joyful ab abandonment. And I really believe God is calling us to not just live a life where we abandon ourselves to him, but that we live a life that, that as we abandon him, abandon ourselves to him, his ways, his cause, we find and discover the joy in that, right? Uh, Paul, in, in he, as he writes in his, in his letters to the church in Corinth, is, is talking about uh, the concept of giving, that God doesn't just want the, the, the idea of your heart, but he wants your heart. And tied to your heart are your material possessions. And so, and so as you come to God, as you surrender to God, and, 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 and begin to live a lifestyle of complete abandonment, it's actually going to cause you to bring everything to him. Your, your resources, your, 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 your giftings, your time, all of you needs to show up. And, and in that writing, Paul says, hey, listen, let me, just, let me just clarify this whole idea of bringing ourselves to God and giving him uh, whatever he asks of. And he says, he says this, he says, listen, don't, don't do things simply out of duty. Don't do things uh, begrudgingly. Don't do things because you, because you feel some sort of guilt or some, some sort of emotional twisting of your arm. He says, no, no, don't give that way, but, but give cheerfully, give out of love, and give out of joy because God loves a cheerful giver. I really believe that that doesn't just apply to our finances, by the way. I believe it, I believe it, it, it applies to every aspect of our giving to God. The giving of our heart, the giving of our obedience, the giving of our faith, the giving of our, of our time and our talents and our abilities, all of what we give to God should be done out of the place of cheerfulness. For God loves a cheerful giver, Paul says. And so the man that Jesus is talking about here, he, he out of his joy sells everything he has, totally abandons himself to the cause of attaining the field so that he can lay hold of the treasure he has found. He's found a treasure. Now, this, this man is, is interesting, and I think this man represents those that stumble upon the kingdom, that stumble upon the kingdom. If you notice, the man is not, he's not out searching for treasure. He's not, you know, I don't know if, uh, if people still do this, but I remember even, you know, moments of going to the beach, um, and there would there'd be, there'd always be, for some reason, it would always be an older gentleman. I don't know why this was the case. It'd always be an older gentleman with some sort of metal detector. You remember what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Jay? And, uh, and they're out there just searching for something, searching for another person's, you know, treasure. And so that's not what this person is doing. This, this individual stumbles upon the kingdom. And so I think, I think in this parable, I think, I think this parable represents those who may have not been looking for God, but God came looking for them. They, they, they stumbled upon the kingdom of God. They stumbled upon the treasure that is Jesus. They stumbled upon the treasure that is the gospel, the good news that God sent his own son to die on behalf of humanity and, 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 and gave himself to the sin and the judgment of humanity and in placement gives them eternal life. They stumbled upon that, whether it's through an event that they were maybe invited to, 
right? Or maybe it was through a, a conversation that they, it wasn't planned, whether it was at a coffee shop or, or, or on an airplane or whatever. They, these people are not out looking, but God is doing a work, and through these random acts or events or conversations, they discover the treasure of the kingdom. By the way, this is why it's so incredibly important for us, believers and followers of Jesus, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to move us at any time. That we would have open ears and open eyes to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us because you never know who God has been working on. Who God has been preparing. And, and these individuals might not even know it, but all it takes is a conversation. All it takes is an invitation, and, and all of a sudden, you allow a person to stumble upon the kingdom of God and begin to see it for the treasure that it is. And so, he abandons himself to this treasure. Verse 45, Jesus now talks about the same idea, but in a different, in a different parable, and he says, he says, the kingdom of heaven, notice, is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. It's, it's like a merchant in search. Now notice, this individual is actually searching. This, this individual is not like the first. The first one stumbled upon the treasure. This person is in search of fine pearls. This, this person is actually looking for something. And so he's a merchant in search of fine pearls, and it says, on finding one pearl of great value. We're gonna come back to that. It's incredibly important. Notice what he does. He goes and he sells everything that he has to buy the one pearl of great value. And so this individual represents those who are searching, those who have examined maybe other religions and Christianity and they've examined other philosophies or ideologies and, and different ways of life. They're searching and they come to find Jesus as supreme, as the one who is of total, total value, of great value. He is the one pearl of great value. And so this merchant is in search of fine, fine pearls and he sells all that he has to get the one pearl. Now, let me say this, because in both cases, what we have, right, let me just get rid of some of this so we can start fresh here. In both cases, what we have is this concept of, of buying. Notice the merchant bought the pearl and the the man who finds the treasure in the field buys the field. Now, here's, here's something that's important for us to realize. Sometimes the teachings of, of parables, or sometimes, um, yeah, the teaching, the teaching of parables that is done or that we observe, they go into such, such itty-bitty detail of the parables that were not actually intended by Jesus. Right, And so the point of a, the parable is not for us to, uh, on one side, have every single word of the parable, and then on the other side, have the, the meaning of what every single word could possibly mean. So, oh yeah, this thing in the parable meant this, and the fact that he bought it means this. And, and so that's not the point of parables. The, parab the point of parables are not so that you dissect them and, and, and into every you know, little bit uh, uh, of the words and the structure and go, okay, what could this mean? And what could that mean? No, no, the point of parables was that Jesus is trying to articulate a point, a single point most often. And the question was, did you get the point? Did you get the point? That's why parables are stories, right? They're not, they're not written formulas for us to take home and now, and now we, we begin to dissect it and we go, all right, this could, this could you know, we do that, we do that with, the, with the scriptures, we do that with, in the Greek, but when it comes to parables, we don't do that because they're stories. Jesus is, is telling stories that are supposed to cause people to say, oh, that's the point. And they're supposed to have people just transformed in a deep 
way. That's the point of Jesus's story. And so this idea of buying the field or buying the pearl, it's, it's not that you can buy the kingdom. That's not the point of Jesus. The point of Jesus is not, hey, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, you can buy the kingdom. And so let's just line up. We'll set up a booth. We've got Matthew here now. He'll collect the taxes. He'll collect all the funds. And so you're on your way to the kingdom of God, right? And uh, you can have express lines. All right, if, you, if you're, if you're going to tap, there's an express line. No, that's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what Jesus did. That's not the point. Remember, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? For they shall inherit the earth. And so it's incredibly important for us to, to remember or to realize that, no, 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 Parables are not designed so that we can dissect every single part of them, which is, why, which is what a lot of people do. And I think they come to conclusions that Jesus never meant for us to come to. And so what is the meaning then if, if it's not them, if it's not us buying, if it's not us buying our way into the kingdom, if the kingdom cannot be bought, what is the point? Well, the point is this. The word treasure and the word value. The point isn't, hey, you can buy the kingdom. No, the point is, do you recognize the value of the kingdom? These two individuals, what they demonstrate by selling all they have in order to get the treasure in the field or in order to get the one great uh, pearl of great value, what they, what they are demonstrating is that what they have discovered, what they have come across, is of great value. In other words, it is worth giving up everything for. That's the point. The point is, do you see the value and do you see the treasure that is the kingdom of God? And it is worth giving up everything Thing for, right? And so this was the point of parables. The point of parables was to actually transform your worldview, not just at the level of your beliefs, but at the level of your emotions, that you would be rocked by this story of who would go and sell everything they have just to get this one thing, unless it's really of great and infinite value, which it is, which it is. And the question is, do we see the kingdom as such? Do we see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as something of great value? These, these, what, he's, what he is saying is, what Jesus is saying by telling these parables is that even if getting the kingdom costs you everything, it is a good trade-off. It's a good deal. It's a bargain. So no matter what the kingdom of God costs you, it's a good trade-off. It's a good trade-off. Now, here's the, here's the issue, right? We're talking, about, we're talking about this kingdom being the kingdom of joy, the kingdom of value, the kingdom that is a treasure. Now, here's our issue. Our issue is, is, is we, we look at the trade-off and we go, mm, I don't know. Is it a good trade-off? Is it really worth sacrificing everything for? Is it worth losing everything over? See, that's our issue. Our issue is, man, do we recognize the great value and the treasure and the beauty that is the kingdom of God, that the rule and the reign of God is not just something for us to go, wow, that's cool, it exists, but I'm just gonna do my own thing in my own way and my life is going to go uh, as, as, as normal as it was before I ever came across this thing called the kingdom or called Christianity or, or something that Jesus intended to happen actually happens and we see the kingdom of God for what it is and we go, man, the greatest thing to happen to my life would be for the rule and the reign of God to actually invade my space. See, that's the beauty. The beauty is, see, see, see here's, what, here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is 
nothing more valuable than having the rule and the reign of God move in. God as your king, ushering into your life and bringing his rule. Bringing his rule, his reign, his dominion. See, you begin to think about that uh, what should happen is there should be a level of excitement and a level of joy that, that should give you some sense of peace and some sense of relief and, and joy and satisfaction to know that, hey, it's not your rule, it's not your reign that, that governs your life. It is the rule and the reign of God, and so I'm gonna welcome it with joy and with open hands and complete abandonment, even if the cost is everything. It is a good trade-off. It's a good deal. See, some of you, you've been following Jesus maybe for a little bit, or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, and, and you've had to trade things, whether it's family or, or friends or, or, or maybe, maybe certain geological places where, where, where God has called you to move to a new space, a new country, a new city, or maybe God has called you to go into a different occupation. There, there, there are trade-offs that, that, that when we encounter God for who he is and his rule and his reign enter our lives, there are things that we can no longer lay hold of anymore and we have to allow ourselves to let go because you cannot hold both those things at the same time. Because one of those things will be treasured more. And the problem with, with, with having a tight grip on, on what we treasure and, and a loose grip on, on the kingdom of God and, and the reality of God is that we never get to enjoy God for who he is. And we do a disservice to God and we do a disservice to ourselves and, and we pretend like we experienced God when in reality we didn't actually allow his rule and his reign to come into our life. And maybe that's some of you. Maybe the frustration you're experiencing as a follower of Jesus is, is, is and, and you're not growing and, and you're not completely, you're not in having the, the life that God has called you to live is, is not because you have not discovered it, but because you have not discovered its value. You've not allowed God to fully come with his rule and his reign. You, you haven't recognized it for what it really is is and so it is something that is a treasure it is of great value let me take you to a scripture in philippians these are the words of paul and it's as if paul is paraphrasing this exact parable look at what he says this is philippians 3 7 to 8 Paul says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of, notice, all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And so what's Paul saying? Paul's not saying, hey, I bought Christ. No, Paul is saying that even though it cost me things, even though I lost things, even though uh, everything I accumulated in this life, I, 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 I accumulated it, but as it relates to knowing God, as it relates to knowing Christ, it's actually rubbish. I count it as worthless. I count it as loss, why? Because I've gained Christ, I've, I know him now, and so I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing him. What is Paul saying? He's saying I found one pearl of great value. I found the treasure hidden in the field. And so though it might cost me something, it is worth everything. It's a good trade-off. It's a good trade-off. That's what Paul is saying. Now, you, you, this is, this is part, of, part of our issue. 
is that we've allowed, we've allowed our Christianity, we've allowed this concept of even the kingdom of God to be something that is, that is intellectual and not emotional, that, that God moves our mind but does not move our heart. And, and I think that is a complete disservice to the relationship that we have with God. See, if God was a mere concept and an idea that allows us to have a religious institution where we have worship services, I get it. Let him move you intellectually. But if that's the only way that you're moved, then might I suggest you're not allowing yourself to step into the relational aspect of actually knowing God. Knowing God moves you at an emotional level. Not that you become an over-emotional human being, that, that you're just emotional all the time, but, but, but value is not just determined by head knowledge. When you hold something of value, you're moved to call that thing a treasure, to call that thing a treasure. Could you uh, imagine, for instance, you know, um, proposing to somebody and, and saying something to the effect of, well, you know, I've calculated this thing, and so I think, uh, you know, based on, um, uh, based on your age and where you were born and based on your, uh, your vocation and, and your salary, I, you know, I've, I've calculated this whole thing, and, you know, we're, we're a good match. We are, this, this thing should work out. Oh, okay, cool. But, but do you love me? Do you see me as valuable? Am I your treasure? Are you moved to spend the rest of your life with me? The, those are the questions. Now, it doesn't mean we, we totally remove the conceptual ideas and, and allowing our mind to be, uh, to be something that participates in our relationship with God. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying it cannot be the only thing. It cannot be the only thing. I wanna take you to a scripture in, in Romans 14, verse 17. This is Paul. He says, for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus teaching on? The kingdom of God. Notice what Paul says. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy, notice, in the Holy Spirit. So during the time of Jesus, what, bring, what brought the kingdom of God to earth was Jesus' earthly presence. But because Jesus is no longer here in a physical body, what brings the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. It's his spirit that brings his rule, his reign. And so Paul says that the kingdom of God is tied to the Holy Spirit. And these are the things that, that pertain uh, 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 these are the things that, that the kingdom of God is made up of. It's made up of righteousness, peace, and joy. Here's the crazy part. Paul divides it into three matters. He says it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy. One third, according to Paul, of the kingdom of God has to do with our emotions. Joy. One third of the kingdom of God has to do with our emotions, what happens to us on an emotional level, one third. And so it's incredibly important that we do not shrink Jesus down, we don't shrink the kingdom of God down to some concept or some idea that seems to make sense. No, no, but he, he is a God to be experienced. He is treasure to behold. He is, 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 is someone of, of total value and supremacy, and that should move us and transform us even at an emotional level. How are we doing so far? Good? And so that's the point. The point is... This should actually move you. This should actually move you. So, so many times the beef Jesus had with the religious leaders of his day was that God was up here, but he wasn't here. 
God was out here in, in their words, but he wasn't in their heart. What Jesus called a, a mere lip service. You, you, you worship God with your, with your mouth, with your lips, but, but your heart is actually far from him. God has not actually moved you at an emotional, at an emotional level. Now, we're gonna talk a little bit about that at the end, but I wanna go back now for just a moment to the merchant and the pearl. I want you to see something. That the Bible says here, Jesus' words, that he is in search of fine pearls, plural, right? Pearls, this is plural. But then it says, on finding, notice, one pearl of great value. So he's in search of many, but he finds the one. You see that? He's in search of many, but he finds the one. Now, I, I wanna just kind of briefly talk a little bit about this because this has to do with the concept of singularity that Jesus wants us to kind of focus on just for a moment because this, I think this also represents, you know, even in our world, in our day and age, we, we, are, we are constantly told, man, Christianity can't be, can't be right because what happens to all the other, wor all the other world views and religions that say they're right, right? And so what, what we're then told, what we're pitched is this idea of, man, all roads must actually lead to heaven, right? I, I'm sure maybe, maybe you, you know, had a, a philosophy course or a religion course or whatever, and you were, you were pitched this idea of, of the elephant. Pastor Jay, you know what I'm talking about? The elephant, that God is somehow the elephant or uh, eternal life or, uh, you know, uh, utopia is this elephant and, and, and the religions are just describing different parts of the elephant, but it's the elephant that they're actually all describing. But what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 this is a man who is in search of many pearls. There, there's many things out there that, sure, might have certain aspects of good, but they're not of great value. It's one pearl. And so that's what the Bible pitches. That's what the Bible describes, that, that Jesus didn't come. Could you imagine that God would send his son to die on behalf of humanity and then say to his son as he welcomes him into eternity, well, you know, good, done, you know, good job, well done. By the way, there's all these other religions in this world and, you know, I know nobody, nobody else gave their life for humanity, but they're all gonna get it anyways. No, there, there would be no need for the, the atonement. There would be no need for the sacrifice of Jesus if all, lo, if all roads lead eventually to heaven. And so it's one pearl of great value. It's one pearl of great value. That's what sets Jesus apart. Is, it is not humanity journeying itself up to God to reach some sort of state of enlightenment and, and euphoria. It is, it is God sending himself to die in place of humanity so that they might actually know him for, he, for who he really is. And so we're told, wow, well, why does God want to exclude? Why does God want to, God want to, you know, um, you, you know, Christianity just excludes people. It's so, it's so, you know, self-absorbed and you can't say Jesus is the only way. But the reality is, if Jesus is the only way, he's the only way. That it's saying Jesus is the only way. By the way, those are Jesus' words as well, right? It's not that we put words into the mouth of Jesus. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we cannot take different aspects of Jesus, which, which by the way, the world loves to do, or other people who are quote unquote spiritual, where they take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's kind of like you're, you're, at a, you know, you're at a hotel breakfast where you go, you know, okay, I'm gonna have a little bit of this, I'm gonna have a little bit of that, and, and a little bit, all right. No, you, you cannot take certain aspects of Jesus and then ignore other aspects of Jesus. You can't say, wow, Jesus is a good teacher, he's my role model, and yet I'm not going to take him at his words when he says, I'm the only way. Right? It was, it was C.S. Lewis who says, either you believe Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. 
but he cannot be all these things at the same time. Either you, either you must come to the conclusion that he is a liar. He is, he is, he has been lying about everything, or he's a lunatic. He's crazy. Or he's Lord. And you gotta pick one. You can't mesh them together. You have to pick one. And so he finds the one pearl of great, of great value. Let me close by saying, by saying this. You know, there's some of us who maybe have made Christianity this thing that we want to try out. Let me, let me, let me try it out. Let me try this thing out. But according to the scripture, as you see, both individuals, the merchant and the man who, who finds the treasure in the field, their end is complete and total abandonment. That's what happens when you come into contact with the kingdom of God. You completely abandon yourself to God. It's not a thing you try out. One writer said it this way, Christianity makes for a terrible hobby. Christianity makes for a terrible hobby. You're, you're either all in or you're not. You, you either totally abandon yourselves to it or you don't. Christianity makes for a terrible hobby. And the reason that is, is because you rob, of your, you rob yourself of the joy that is actually in it if you never allow yourself to wholeheartedly be abandoned to it. And so the reason, the reason sometimes we don't have joy as we follow Jesus is because we have not totally abandoned ourselves to him. That we, we have not allowed ourselves to, to fall and trust that he would catch. But both these individuals joyfully abandon themselves to it. It's, it's not a hobby, it's an all in. That's when you discover it and you enjoy it for what it really is. And, 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 and when we do that, Christianity stops becoming boring. It stops becoming this, this mundane thing of, of, you know, weekend visitations to a religious institution. And it actually begins to be a life you experience and share with the God who sent himself to die on your behalf so that you might know him and that your joy in him might be complete. So that's the call. The call is total abandonment so that we enjoy not the concept of Christianity, but the person of Jesus. That's the goal. That's where we find a kingdom of a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of joy. I remember growing up in a Christian home and, and going to church my whole life and um, moments where, where I knew I knew the right thing to say, I knew the right thing to believe and it didn't mean I was totally abandoned to it and, and to God and so I don't know if, if you can share with this experience but for whatever reason, the fun and enjoyment and excitement and joy and, and all the good things that we experience in life. For some reason, all those things ran in the opposite direction of God. You know what I'm talking about? All those things ran in the opposite direction of God. And so, and so when you come to church, you gotta be quiet. Can't make too much noise. Leave your emotions at the door. Come in, straight face, somber even. 
look like you're sad, then people will think you're religious, you're righteous, that you might know God. Okay, all right, shh, we're in church. Oh, good, mo good morning, good morning, yes, yes. And for some of you, man, coming to church is like you're going to a funeral service. There, there's, there is no joy. There is no excitement. But that's, but, that's, but that's what Christianity was growing up for me. Hey, quiet, quiet. You can't. Are you laughing? We're in church. This is a prayer meeting. Are you laughing? And, and you go, wow, Pastor Moses, that sounds like you grew up in some weird, weird place. Now the reality is, the reality is those things were never said, but they were always assumed. And so even though nobody verbally would come up to you, or maybe they might, it was assumed that no, 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 you don't. The house of, the house of God is, is not for fun and enjoyment. It's for sacrifice. And so, this idea became a seed in my mind and eventually it grew and, and so Christianity was for the mundane. Christianity was for those who lacked adventure. Christianity was for those who are bored. And yet that's completely opposite of what the life Jesus invites us into. And sometimes here's what happens. Even going through the motions, we, we lose sight of how precious the gift of knowing him is. And I wonder maybe if you've lost sight of that. The gift of knowing him is precious. This is part of the part of the. The wrestling I have with, with Bible studies is sometimes it can become so intellectual, so knowledge-based that you, it expands your mind, but it doesn't expand your heart. And you go, okay, yeah, I know these things now, but how do they, how do they translate? The reality is you can know all the right things. You can, you can go to seminary and get a PhD in theology and not be moved to believe God is your treasure. The devil has the exact same theology as us, church. He just doesn't treasure Jesus. So it's, it's, not, it's not good enough to know the right things. It's, it's man, do we see it as, as the value and the treasure that it is? I remember in, seven, in, in college when I was working to get my, get my bachelor's and We were so young and adventurous as, as followers of Jesus and just learning to, to step into ministry for the first time as students and learning things about the Bible and wanting to implement them. And there was this one particular Sunday after, after, after a, a worship service where us friends kind of just went with a few leaders of that church into, into a home with, with an individual who just needed some ministry. They just needed some time of, of prayer and they were looked, you know, uh, looking to God for some healing and some help. And, and so uh, a group of us, like uh, maybe like five or six, right, 19-year-olds get into a van after a church service and we're on our way to this house to minister. And so, of course, we're praying. We're trying to get serious because this is serious. Ministry is serious. And uh, we're talking about, okay, what, what are we going to do? And, um, okay, Holy Spirit, we need you to work. We need you to help us. We're doing all these things. And, and uh, one of my friends, he goes, man, completely doesn't understand the assignment, as they would say. He goes, you know, I could really use a cookie. I could really use some cookies right now. And um, as we're praying, okay, serious, Holy Spirit, 
Bring down your rule, bring down your reign, the kingdom of God. We wanna wanna see your glory, we wanna see this person healed and delivered, do something crazy, we're speaking in tongues, we're we're doing all these things, and all of a sudden, one of our friends pipes in and goes, Lord, I just, man, I just really want some cookies. (laughs) This is a true story. And I go, I go, what are you talking about, bro? This is, we're doing ministry, this is about, this is about duty, this is about seriousness, and we gotta be somber. And in the midst of it, this individual assumes that as a child of God, he could, answer, he could ask the Father for anything. What an assumption, which is completely biblical, by the way. But in that time and in that space, I'm like, no, 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 listen, bro, you're, you're, this is not, this is not right. God's not gonna answer your prayer. Are you, are you crazy? We're here to minister. And uh, we go to the individual's house and they welcome us in and it's very somber, it's very serious. They need, they need healing and they need, they need deliverance. And so we, 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 you know, get together and probably pray theologically incorrect prayers and, and just hope for the best. Pray and we minister and we, it's a very, you know, somber moment. And then right at the tail end of our time there, the lady goes, um, Oh, I knew you guys were some. I knew you guys were college students, and you guys just came from a church service, and maybe you were hungry, so I, I baked some cookies. <laughs> she said, "I baked some cookies, and uh, I'd love for you guys to have some." Thank you so much for coming. I have never been so embarrassed in my life, and we all just we all just looked at each other our jaws to the floor, all of us except for our friend who prayed that prayer, and on his face is a massive from ear to ear grin. And he can't believe that God would listen. And in this moment that we thought could only have expressions of of duty and somberness and seriousness, That's what we thought the kingdom of God was, and here God brings joy into his kingdom. And an answered prayer, which we completely did not expect, and God does that. And God does that. Because joy in God don't run in opposite directions. Joy in God don't run in opposite directions. Directions. In fact, in fact, if I just take you to this diagram and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm gonna be done right after this. Here's what we think. Here's what we think. And here's how we view our joy. And here's how we view God. We think they are two separate things never touching. Never touching. And so you, you have to either choose joy or you have to choose God, but you, but you cannot choose both. To, to choose one would be to deny the other. And so joy and God run in the, in, in the opposite direction. And, and so here Jesus comes and he, and he brings his kingdom. And he brings the kingdom of God. And he says, no, 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 joy and God are not opposite in my kingdom. Joy and God are one. Do you see that? The kingdom of God comes, and Jesus says, no, no, no. Joy and God are not separate. Joy and God are one. To have and to know God is to have and to know joy. And so the man who finds the treasure in the field, the Bible says, in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has to find that treasure because joy in God are not separate. Joy in Jesus are not separate. Joy is wrapped in the person we call Jesus. Joy and Jesus are not opposites. Joy and God are not opposites but they are 
one. They are one. See, see, some of us and some of you are, 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 have, have been struggling with, with, with sin or with spiritual oppression or, or anxiety. What, what releases you from those things, what releases you from sin and oppression and anxiety, what releases you from those things is the joy of God. The joy of God releases you from the hold of sin and anxiety and all the troubles of this world. It's when you look at God and you're awestruck at the beauty and the splendor that only comes from knowing him and the world's tight grip on you begins to loosen because now you have found a supreme treasure. Your joy in God will bring you freedom. Joy in God brings freedom. That's why the Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures for evermore because to know God is to know joy. To have God is to have joy. And so this is the reality. God not only transforms us at an intellectual level, but he transforms us at an emotional level. God and joy are not separate. God and joy are one. And why is that? The reason that is is because, see, see here's what we think. Reason, the, here's what we think. We think we think God has sent his son, Jesus, so that we escape the torments of hell. And so that we get to a place called heaven and experience eternity. But that's not it. Those are things that happen when we put our faith in Jesus, no doubt. But that's not why God sent his son. See, see, if you think the kingdom is just about certain systems and, and ideas and, and you think the kingdom is about conquering different things of this world and so we gotta, gotta send people into the government and we gotta send people into the media and we gotta send people to, to, to take over and we need Christians everywhere. If you, think, if you think that's the kingdom, then you don't understand. You're never gonna have joy because your idea of the kingdom is always going to be duty-based. It's gonna be duty. So, so why do you serve God? Well, it's my duty. He sent his son, and so it's my duty to serve God. Y yeah, but it's not only your duty, it should also be your delight. See, see what Peter says, what Peter says in, 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 in 1 Peter, I, I love what he says. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, part one, or, or, or the first half of verse, verse 18, he says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. Not to heaven, to God. To God, to God. And when you begin to understand that, that that's the point, the point of the kingdom is, is not a destination, but a person. And if you learn to treasure him for who he is, you will experience everlasting joy and pleasures forevermore. So maybe that's what God wants to do in your heart tonight. Is, is remind you of maybe something you've lost sight of or maybe something you're, you've never considered before. That there is joy in knowing your God. That, that God has not saved you simply to bring you to a destination but God has saved you to bring him, bring you to himself. And in knowing him, 
you experience what the Bible calls the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for these minutes that we could share. God, I, I feel you here tonight and and my prayer is that those who might be watching and listening also feel your nearness and your closeness. And God, that by the work of your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to treasure you, to see you as the pearl of great value, worth giving up anything and everything for. I pray, God, that you would rekindle that sense of joy within us. And God, I pray for those who, who might be struggling with sin or, or dealing with oppression and anxiety and, and troubles that come from this world. I pray, God, as they experience and discover their joy in you, that those things would just fall off, that those, the, the grip that those things have on them would just loosen as they experience the supreme joy and satisfaction that comes from knowing you. Let them feel that tonight, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.